I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. I feel like shit, dude. That game took a lot out of me, man. That was just so disappointing. I'm just disappointed. You know, it's like that... What people say. I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed. (laughs) I really... I'm just... uh, It was so deflating. You know, and it's not over yet. And and, and again, don't listen to what I say. Please, please. I went on a rampage, like an old man, classic boomer rampage last night after the game, on during the game on Twitter. Even hung over into this morning. But like, that's just me venting. Please understand that. Please understand that's not even, it's like a different person. That's me in the heat of the moment, being a prisoner of the moment, venting. Disregard about 70% of that. There are some truths to what I say on there. But please, if you want my legit take, come listen to the podcast, BD4, or come read my blog. And if you want to find my podcast, well, you probably found it as you're listening to it. Uh, But, you know, we're on YouTube to watch. Or if you want to listen to us, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Spotify. YouTube to watch, Google, SoundCloud, and many more, you know, the usual major podcast feeds to listen to. And the blog is on my website where I recap the Yankees and Knicks every game. Now, if you want to find the blog and find the podcast and follow me on social media so you can watch my, you know, uh, read my irrational, angry tweets, you can just do all that by going to my link tree. It'll take you to the one page that displays all my information. So if you go to my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone, that'll take you right there. But it was a game that got me really frustrated, man. Uh, the Knicks took the 95, uh, 94 to 105 loss in the ATL at State Farm Arena for the first time in their playoff history. And um, yeah, it, it just left you feeling like crap. You know, I did not want to even, I, at the time, I didn't even want to bother thinking about game four. Um, Now I've slept on it. I still don't feel good. I still feel like, unfortunately, the Knicks might lose this series. I feel like they're completely overmatched and they have no solution to a lot of things to Trey Young. And I feel like they have no solution to how Julius is going to adjust to their defense. And we'll get into all those things when we break down film later. But I um I hope, you know, I am a little bit better. You know, I'm not sitting here, like I was saying some really outlandish shit on Twitter last night. Ripping, ripping into, you know, guys who I usually don't rip into. But um, I was on a rampage, dude. I got to mature up. I, I got to stop. I got I to gotta get more mature. I know that. But 
it was a tough game. It was a really tough game. You know, between Randall and Barrett. Jesus. Not getting it together yet. They're just missing everything they take. Uh, the defense not being able to stop the pick and roll. Our bigs are an offensive liability with the spacing. We'll get to that in the film. Um, our role players, you know, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, still not really, you know, outside of game one, they've been very quiet. And uh, we gave up 16 triples, which in today's game, it's not a ton, but it was on 60% shooting. About. I think it was 0.8% away from being 16 threes on 60%. I mean, that's fucking bad. But the three-pointers and those floaters and just whatever Trey Young did getting into the lane. He had 21 points and 14 assists. So he took a break from the 30-piece and, you know, he only dimed out probably a season high in assists instead, along with 21 points. Can somebody knock this guy on his butt? Knock him on his ass. Can we get physical with him, please? Can we give Frank 8 to 10 minutes and just have him hack the shit out of him? Can somebody get a flagrant foul on him? Can Theo Pinson come in and pick up... What's the ejection one? Is that a flagrant 2? A flagrant level 2. Can he do that? Get kicked out of the game? Just to lay into Young? Get suspended if he needs to. Just I, I really want that. I don't care. The worst it's going to cost is a possession. Uh, possession is, is a big part. Of, I know. But like, dude, how awesome would that be? I feel like that would give the Knicks so much momentum. Maybe we wait to the Garden to do something like that. But could you imagine just like Theo Pinson or, or no, you know what? It should be, well, we have to hope that Taj and Noel stay healthy, but it should be Norvell Pell, a big man coming into the game Laying Young on his ass, just pushing him blatantly, just going out of the way, leaving his assignment, going right up to Trey Young and pushing his ass to the floor and just standing, looking right over him. Oh, I can envision that. I love it. That's what I want. Hey, Reggie got the flagrant on, um, was it on Hunter or Herder? But he got it. He got the flagrant. Right? That sparked the Knicks in game two for the win. That to me was like a big reason to why they turned it around. I think they were losing at the time. He knocked somebody on his ass. It was Hunter, I think. And it helped spark us. That would be great. Somebody just get a little physical with Young. Make him uncomfortable. Because he's way too comfortable in the lane right now. I mean, he's way too comfortable with the ball in his hands. Just dancing around. and It's too easy. He's going right. And then he's going to do, you know, the three outcomes of what happens when he drives right. He's finishing, he's throwing a lob, or he's diming it out. <laughs> or maybe the four, if, he, if he's going to draw that little free throw bullshit. But, yeah. Yeah. Clint Capella, 13 points, 12 rebounds. Mando, I missed Mitchell Robinson. He would be putting up those numbers, too. 
I'm telling you, he's at least 10-10 and 10 if he plays with a couple of blocks. And he's so much better in drop coverage than Noel and Taj because with his length and his wingspan, he's able to tag both the roller and keep up with the ball handler on the play. So he's perfect for drop coverage. In a series like this, we need that. We're playing a pick-and-roll heavy squad. But unfortunately, we've got Noel and Taj. But, you know, first quarter comes... We actually start this one not horribly like we did in the first two games. Derek Rose starting over number six. Taj Gibson starting over Nerlens Noel with the ankle injury. Um, we had Derek Rose creating offense and pick and roll, getting to the rim with ease and finishing there. Playmaking, passing, scores 11 points in the first quarter. Um, yeah. Knicks not playing great in the first outside of Rose, but that 10 to 2 run at the end of the period kind of helped us get back in it. Julius hits that buzzer three, the Knicks up two points after one quarter, which was incredible considering how pretty underwhelming they played for the majority of the period. So, second quarter comes in and comes and um you know Rose being that he's with the starting unit the bench mob kind of lacking that true initiator right and Tom Thibodeau's substitutions to go with Reggie over RJ to lead that second unit a bit interesting to me you know one can create the other cannot create so I didn't love that and that kind of took us out of rhythm a little bit um just in that second quarter, we played, we played some fucking, some horrendous basketball. Uh, the Hawks go on some absurd run. I don't even know the number. I forget what the, the run was to end the first half where they're just slicing through our defenders and getting everything they want inside and out. And, you know, the second half was just not enough. I mean, the Knicks technically won the second half by three points. But that second quarter, you know, the later half of the second quarter was just way too horrible of a of a stretch for the Knicks to overcome. Um, it was a rough night. Rough night. Excuse me. And when you combine that with the way the Yankees lost... Not even minutes later, beyond a rough night. The walk-off and extra innings after it looked like you were going to get away from it. Justin Wilson surrenders a walk-off to some guy, Grossman. Gosh, and they lost again today. It's been rough for me, man. I'll tell you that. Um, and again, peep my Twitter in the last 24 hours for proof of that. <laughs> God. Um, Derek Rose, basically the only one showing up for the Knicks. 30 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 13 for 21 from the floor, um, 3 for 5 from 3, and 1 for 1 at the line. True veteran, man. Just been so good, and I hope other guys are learning from him. He's literally, no, like, literally the only one showing up for the Knicks the entire series. Derek Rose. 
Like literally, like literally, and and, and it's most. And, and, I'm trying to word this the correct way. In that exact sense, literal in its most sense, the only Nick to show up this series. Actual, the only one Nick. Like actually, the only one Nick. Like I'm not impressed with anybody else. Literally, <laughs> everybody else' performance not impressing me. Derek Rose has been the only one to show up this game, this game, and this game. Everybody else screw off because they've not been good, they've underwhelmed, or they've been absolutely pathetic. Reggie Bullock had 11 points on 3 for 8, 2 for 6 from downtown, and it really sucks to see him not make this impact that we're used to because he's such a knockdown shooter for us usually. I was saying how he's going to be a key factor in this in this postseason. And it also has me thinking, I was listening to another show tonight. My buddy, Keese, um, hosts a YouTube channel, Sports Vibes TV, said, it's a shame that Kevin Knox isn't part of this rotate, that he's not, it's a shame that Kevin Knox, you know, if, if he was even half decent and part of this rotation, I feel like he'd help. That three-point shot could open up the floor. It's a shame he hasn't turned out to be something. Because that would be huge. That's an extra shooter we need. If, if RJ's not knocking down his shit. If Randall's not knocking down his shit. If IQ and Burks combined for 4 for 16 last night. 1 for 6 from downtown. 12 points in 38 minutes. They're not knocking down anything. Knox would have been cool. You know? Even Frank, the 3 and D wing, who could stop Trey Young if you play more than one minute at the end there. Not even. <laughs> he could hit the corner three. I mean, I feel like we should do a little bit more of the rotation. Not impressed. Tom. But, you know, RJ and Julius, it's on them first. They're 4 for 24 last night. They were combined to shoot 17%. Through these three games, I did the math earlier coming into the show. 28% together this postseason so far, both Barrett and Randall. 28% together. That's disgusting. Abhorrent. RJ had two underwhelming games to start the postseason, but last night he was dumpster fluid. He was. Two for nine shooting. Seven points. His drive is being neutralized by Clint Capella just waiting on the low block. Those longer wingspan players give him issues. And that spot off three-point shot, which is usually his money shot, that's not there for RJ Barrett right now. And he's missing it time after time again. How do we get him going, man? He's just not hitting shots. And he's wide open for some of these shots, but he's just not hitting them. So maybe we run him in some more pick and roll actions. You know, at the top of the key, get him going downhill. Some inside out. Maybe that gets him going. But he's not been good. He's not been good. And neither has Julius, man. Neither has Julius, who's just really been bad. If you think RJ's been bad, Julius Randle, the guy of the team, the man we're supposed to give the max soon after this... After next off or after next season, he has been beyond vile 
this series. He shot two for 15 last night. Two for 15. I don't even know a percent that it, two for 10 is 20%. What the hell is two for 15? 14 points, 11 rebounds. He's missed 41 out of the 54 shots he's taken on the season, uh, on the postseason. That's a brick rate of 76%. That's disgusting. He's missing. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm laughing because I can't believe it. I mean, he's missing countless open jumpers. Um, he's not hitting those tough jumpers that he, he was hitting in the regular season. You know, he stopped taking it to the hoop despite the second half of Wednesday's game where he had some good finishes on the inside, which got his outside game working. And he's just, you know, slow making decisions in triple threat. And again, we're going to go over that a bit in film because there are some reasons to why he's struggling. It's not just straight up. There are some layers behind it that we need to peel um, things we need to do, speaking of, we need to exploit Trey Young. With the, these mismatches that we have on him offensively, where they just hide him onto RJ Barrett or onto our, uh, Alec Burks, we need to exploit that, and we're letting him off the hook. Burks took a fadeaway jumper on him. Burks, like, there are a number of possessions where they hide him, onto our bigger guards and wings, but we don't exploit that. Why don't we put him into some more actions like we did a little bit in the second half of Wednesday's game? Some DHO screens. Remember he got caught on that Taj Gibson screen? Or the the post-up we talked about when RJ posted him up to clear out the weak side of defender? Uh, the weak side? Yeah. Was that, was that Wednesday? Yeah, that was Wednesday. RJ had him in post up on the baseline. And then weak side Reggie Bullock was wide open because everybody was close, uh, was was shading into the paint to help in the back line of the fence there. We need to exploit him more. There are a number of things we can do to exploit him. Obviously, we're not going to stop him on that other end, so why not try to go at him when we're on offense? And... I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I'm just tired. Really, really tired. So this might be a quick episode. I think we're gonna end it after we do this film session. I want to get this up there before the game, game four starts. Because <laughs> as I'm recording, it's it's technically Sunday morning, past midnight. So it's technically Sunday, May thirtieth. So I want to get this up before the one o'clock game today. Um, so let's head to break. When we get back, we'll get into the film session. After the film session, we'll wrap it up with the question of the day. And that'll be that. So you're listening to episode 252 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, well, you can do that right now. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and many more major feeds. We're sponsored by Anchor, so you can listen to us there. If you want to watch the podcast visibly, uh, visually, we're on YouTube. Uh, so make sure to subscribe, share, download, 
like us, leave us a comment. Thank you. Um, yeah, so if you're new, be sure to subscribe. And we do podcast episodes on the Yankees after every series. And the Knicks every... Usually it's the Knicks every two games. But so far during the playoffs, we've been covering every game of the podcast. We're going to try to keep that trend going. Now, the Yankees and, and the recaps of these Yankees and Knicks games have been a bit, you know, slow lately. I've missed some. But, I'm, you know, once the NBA regular season or postseason is over, I'll be back on, on track with the Yankees 100%. But I'm just so focused on the Knicks right now because, you know, obviously we're in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. So it's kind of understandable, I hope. All right, so let's head to break. When we get back, we'll get right into the film session. Analyzing a few things, breaking it all down. And that'll be that. Yeah, so we're going to start with the... Just, obviously, since I think it's our offense is probably the biggest issue to me. I mean, we can't stop Trey Young. You can always say the defense is really bad. But at the end of the day, you know, the Hawks scoring totals, I feel like aren't as bad as the Knicks' offensive scoring totals. You know? Like, Trey Young has been horrible. But I feel like it's... we. I feel like if Julius Randle is going, we have a much better shot to win these games, despite the defense not being as sharp as it was in the regular season. And so I just feel like... I, I want to go over a few uh, a few sets here. Because I feel like the Hawks are scheming us to perfection right now. Um, at least Julius Randle. He's not adjusting to the help defense. And him not adjusting to the help is just completely throwing off his game. I mean, he's making him overthink. He's anticipating the double coming every time. And it's not even like a legitimate true double. It's more just like a quasi-zone. A quasi it's, it's fucking weird. Um, trying not to curse anymore, but there I go. Um... But I want to bring up this first possession, as you can see here on the screen, that you, you, you've got... So there's about three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. This is, you know, right before the run of doom. Um, Atlanta just complete Just what they do, and what they've been doing all series, they're completely ignoring, on certain plays, our bigs. Because of the lack of offensive abilities... That our big men possess. Or don't, rather. You know? And so here you have it. You've got John Collins, in this case. Playing off of Taj Gibson here at the top. And because of that. Julius gets stuffed underneath with no space. So I want to rewind it. I want to get there. So here's. Right off top. Right up the top here you have. Taj and Collins, right? But, you know, as soon as... Here you go. Randall's about to drive. So Randall breaks for the drive. And here you're going to see John Collins is about to break right off here to cut off Randall's drive. Helping on Clint Capella. I think that is on the baseline. So let's play it. 
There we go. So he's able to just slide right over and help Capella to cut off Randall's drive. And they're not, they're not even worrying about Tosh because that's not an offensive threat. The biggest target, you know, the next number one option is Julius Randle. So he's able to slide off Tosh as the helper. And Julius, now diving right into a double, right underneath the rim. That's a poor wild shot. And look at this. Just no spacing under here. Just a cluster of bodies. And it's a poor possession. And that was one of only a few, like a, a number of them. A number of poor possessions where the Hawks scheme us by overloading on Randall with the extra big. That was just one of many possessions. Now here's a scenario where Julius is kind of forced to play hero ball in a 1v1 iso ball situation. Because, once again, Atlanta's playing off of our bigs. So in this situation, see if I can rewind it real quick. In this situation here, right here off the screen, so Rose kicks it to Julius, who beats Gallo off the dribble. He beats Gallo, but watch Clint Capella right there. He hedges off of Taj, Clint, and as soon as he hedges off of Taj, He's right there to stop Julius's drive. Right here. Right there. So again, it's just another scenario where they're playing off of our big man who they really don't see any of our bigs as an offensive threat. And why would they? They are not. So now Julius is again swarmed by two red jerseys. And what does he do? He's forced to kick it to an open Taj, but Bogey's there as the helper. So he picks up on Taj and Taj is forced to throw it back out to Randall with, you know, a disorganized ISO with like eight, nine seconds left and he takes a contested jumper and, you know, that's what you want if you're Atlanta. So again, he beats Gallo off the bounce here, but Capella, a quick hedge, a quick hedge, leaves Taj, but Bogey slides in, he rotates to Taj and then he's forced to kick it to Randall for just, you know, a last resort ISO. And that's because Capella stunted up. So it's difficult, man. <laughs> it's difficult to sit through this. Another one. Another perfect example. Uh, eight minutes left in the third about Julius goes behind the back on Collins here. Enough to get him into the lane. But here he is again. It's Clint Capella who, you know, doesn't have to play tight on Taj. A quick hedge up. And now he's right in front of Julius who's, again, two red jerseys in front of Randall. And now he's forced to throw a mid-air pass, which I think that's bogey right there. Intercepts, and, and it leads to that turnover. All because they're allowed to just play right off of our bigs. Because they're going out there, and, you know, as much as I... We all love Tosh. He's, he plays his fucking heart out. He's showed up this series. But he's not an offensive threat, especially not at this age. And we all know Noel has zero. He's basically the Alfred Payton of centers offensively, at least. Um, so they're they're able to do this consistently to us. It's it's my it's just maddening 
And Randall can't just can't adjust to it. They're always it's not even again, it's not like a true double. It's just late help coming and that just screws everything up for him. And you can see the body language. He's he's clearly frustrated. But this possession right here, just a, the Cardinal center basketball, throwing a midair pass, it's a turnover. So they're putting him into these low percentage scenarios that you want if you're Atlanta's, if you're Atlanta's defense, right? He gets stuffed, you know, under the rim in that first possession we showed with about three bodies around him. And the second one we went to, you know, it was the ISO. Right, Capello hedges up, and Randall's forced to go ISO after Bogey picks up on Tosh. And then there's this one right here where Capello again he, he steps into Randall's drive. Randall now has two guys, two bodies in front of him. He just throws it away. So I don't know, man. We're gonna have to figure out a way to adjust to this. And I have a solution. <laughs> I have a solution or a remedy. But I do want to get to about one or two more possessions um, where I show the lack of offense from our bigs before we get to my little solution for this whole thing. Now, this one is just a, a simple pick and roll. Uh, right, You have right here, Rose kind of gets you know, a quick trap at the top, but he dimes it to Noel, who's just way too slow going up, and the ball gets swatted, and it goes out of bounds, and it's Hawks ball. But there's no need... Uh, he had an open... It looked like he had an open look here. Um, let's see if I can get there. He's on the roll. Rose dimes out of that little quick trap on the roll. And Noel, right here. I mean, I don't know what that extra... did. He, like, dipped. But too slow going up. And that's something that if Mitchell Robinson is there, he's dunking that shit. He's going for a quick dunk. But Noel couldn't handle it. He It goes out of bounds and it's Atlanta possession. And there was also that one... I don't have the film... The, I don't have the clip here, but... It was like in the... Th it was at the end of the third quarter, I think. Where you had Nerlens Noel receive a lob pass from Emmanuel quickly. And he comes down with it and then gets fouled. That's another thing where... Mitchell Robinson... That doesn't happen to Mitchell Robinson. You know, his athleticism, he goes right up and he throws that down. He throws down a lot. He's an excellent role man. I just don't understand. I mean, I understand it. I mean, we can't do anything about it. We don't have a big who can do things like Mitchell Robinson can. Hopefully, I mean, I wish he would be back. But he, he, said, he put out like an Instagram story, I believe. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to be out there and hoop. He wants to hoop, and I I wish they'd let him play, but from what I remember, I think the Knicks put out a statement, their, their PR team did, and they said he's not anywhere close, or Thibodeau quoted that, or something like that. So I'm not expecting him to be back. But, man, it, you know, our, our center's lack of offense is definitely something that should be talked about more. In this series, you know, it's bad. It's really bad. But it's like I was saying, I have like a, 
semi-solution or a possible solution maybe. Um, at least when Capella leaves the floor and heads to the bench. I mean, I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to do it because he's not a new school guy. But, you know, the idea of going small is intriguing. If you go Obi Randall at the 4-5. It could be beneficial for our, you know, for spacing reasons. And our offensive continuity. You know, when he go when Capella sits, they don't really have somebody. I mean, Okongwu's okay, but he's a rookie. He you can you can figure out a way there. They don't have that rim protection. You know? So I feel like it's not gonna be as much of a size issue or mismatch with Obi if you go Obi and Randall. Just for a stretch or two. Because I, could, I feel like it would really open up the floor for Julius. Given Obi's offensive abilities. You know. Whereas a Nerlens Noel or a Taj Gibson. Don't really exist outside the restricted area too much. An occasional baby jumper or two. But Obi Toppin is somebody who's young. Who's got an offensive ceiling. Who's got pop. Right? He's quick. He can shoot the three so he can drag those guys out of the paint and they'll still have to stick on to Obi and not be able to overload onto Julius on the ball side. So I feel like playing Obi and, and pairing him with Randall, and it's crazy I'm saying that because this is something I was very against when we drafted Obi Toppin, but that was before I, th- I would think Julius would become a shooter. Um, I'm just going to start knocking him the fuck down. Um, but I feel like Atlanta would have to pay a lot more attention to someone like Obi Toppin and won't be able to, you know, zone into Randall like they're doing. And again, that's why I laugh when people say we don't need Mitchell Robinson because Mitchell's role, uh, Mitchell's role gravity. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing if Robinson was out there. No. Fuck no. Hell to the no. You don't see. If Mitchell Robinson is out there, you think that John Collins, that Clint Capella are going to be playing the back line of defense there behind Randall's defender? No way. They're going to be glued to Robinson because they know that he's a major lob threat who, who can throw one down from anywhere near the rim. So I just think it's unfortunate that we don't have him, but you know, it's kind of, it's hurting Randall's game too. But I feel like there's, we can try to go Obi and Randall more. Do I expect Tibbs to do something like that? No, I don't. And it's unfortunate because he's very stubborn. You know, he could be his worst enemy at times. I'm not saying I know it all. I'm just, this is just my solution. I feel like it could definitely open up the floor a little bit more. If we at least tried it out. Because he's been, he's hitting, you know, Obi's had some moments when he's getting, when he's gotten the opportunity to. So, just a little solution to maybe open up the floor offensively for the Knicks. Now, we've talked about the defensive or the, uh, the offensive struggles, you know, with, with Julius and the Bigs. But I want to, Let's see if we can slow this one down too. 
I want to talk really quick about obviously Trey Young has, has given us a fair amount of uh, of issues, and here we go. This play in particular, you know, Derrick Rose. Listen, he's been terrific offensively, um, but unfortunately, he's being tasked with Trey Young as his defensive assignment a whole lot, and it's not been working. And here's a possession. You know, midway through the first quarter. Let's see if we can rewind it, or we'll just play it over again. Trey Young, just an easy. He drives right for an easy blow by, pass Rose. He's not even close here. And then because of that, here's Taj Gibson who has to pick up in the back line there. And because Taj had to help, it leaves a free lane for Capella to just throw down an easy. Wide open dunk. So let me try to pause it. Here he is. Gets by Rose right here. So Rose is already on his hip behind him. But Taj has to leave a rolling Capella wide open on the roll. Taj is now glued to, to Trey as the help defender. And because of this, Taj, that easy roll right here. Gets the dime from Trey. Bada bing. Just, again, gets by one guy. It's got a domino effect into everything else. We can't stop this guy. Another good example. Unfortunately, Trey Young blows right by Derrick Rose. Again, going right. And because of this, the defense has to collapse. And when they collapse, um, it's RJ in particular in this one. He has to collapse. And because RJ is collapsing. Right here. He leaves. I think that is Collins in the corner pocket. Wide open for three. Trey. Excellent floor vision. Makes that read. Kicks it to Collins and RJ late on the closeout. Because he had to help. Just getting by Derrick Rose time after time. And causing havoc and another example right here <clears throat> fourth quarter four minutes left the game's kind of out of hand at this point but still Trey Young this time he blows by Reggie Bullock and this forces Derrick Rose from the corner right here now Derrick Rose has to collapse and help on the Young drive and obviously, it leaves a knockdown shooter in, in bogey wide open. And Trey, again, he's an excellent playmaker. He's got great floor vision. He makes that read, dimes it across the court, and Rose literally on the closeout because he had to help another three-point shot because Trey Young is forcing these Nick defenders to collapse time and time again. He gets the blow by. They collapse. He gets the blow by. They collapse. They're late on the closeout. Every time. Now, this is an example that's actually been working. Now, we don't want to overdo it, but it's been working when Randall gets into these... When he gets these switches onto Trey, it's actually worked. Um, Just here, another possession where... You know, Randall switches with Reggie. 
So Reggie's on Trey initially, but Rendell comes up to help on the screen. Switches off of Gallo onto Trey, and he forces him into a you know a long contested elbow three pointer for a miss. So he's done it. If you look back, we've we've reviewed a few clips on it too in game two. He's had a couple of really good stops on the tray. I will give him that. His offense has been terrible. He's had some lazy defensive moments, especially in game one. But when he's switched on to Trey, when he has done that, it's actually been pretty decent. Um, and again, I don't know how, you know, it's it's a small sample size, so I'm not going to sit here and say that we should have him on Trey the entire game. But I don't mind when he gets that switch. He's held his own. So this is um this is one of the few possessions I did like. Um Rose has been great. He was good as obviously he's been great. He was good as the starter as the starting point guard. Um Oh wow. My buddy just texted me and said he might swing by tomorrow. First time I'm gonna see him in over a fucking year. This is my best friend. Because of the pandemic. Oh, that's awesome. Man. That's awesome. Oh, sorry. Um, nice. Um, now I lost my spot. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. All right. Um, yeah. Rose. Yeah. The, the, a simple pick and roll to start, but here's the starting lineup, right? The, the adjustment that I was talking about at the top of the show, when you had Rose playing over number six and Taj over Noel, who's nursing the injury with the ankle. Um, but he's still playing. Um, Rosentage going to an early pick and roll here. Seven or eight minutes in the first quarter. Uh, eight minute mark for those listening. Um, and it's something, obviously, you don't see pick and rolls ran when you have Alfred Payton and, and Noel starting. They don't run pick and roll. I don't <laughs> I never see them in pick and roll. Um, so you have Rosentage going to a PNR here. And because of it, you know, because it's not Payton and, and uh, Noel, the spacing is drastically better. And you can see that. I mean, you've got about three or four targets here for Derrick Rose. Um, you've got, R first of all, you've got RJ right here, wide open uh, in the corner. You've got Julius pretty open for the elbow three. And then on the weak side, Reggie Bullock wide open for a wing three. Um, and then Rose obviously ends up hitting Taj on the roll here. So, this pick and roll at the top of the game just opened up a number of opportunities. And it's something you're going to see as, as as you play Peyton less and less. Um, especially if RJ and Randall start hitting their shots. It'd be beautiful. You know, um, but Rose, it's just another example of Rose creating offense for his team without having to score himself. He's a great orchestrator. Um, and so, and him, him and Taj obviously got great chemistry being, they've played forever together and, um, just an excellent pick and roll possession there. And I want to get to one more, um, possession that shows Derek Rose creating offense for the Knicks. Now, uh, here again, this is another great example of Rose 
putting pressure on the defense and creating them to collapse. Right here on the drive, he he look okay, he's right into the lane. The entire defense pretty much is collapsing on him inside. So he's got everybody helping. And let's see if we can get it. Right here. You've got is that Capella out here? I'll get the hang of this eventually, guys. It's my it's my second time ever doing a little film session. Um yeah, so you got look, you got three defenders, maybe four around him. So this leaves Reggie open and Randall open, who is that's you know who he kicks it to. So he's forcing the D to collapse here. And if we could hit play. And that leaves Julius wide open for a three. Because of that uh, because of that Rose drive. He obviously front rims it, but another possession where Derrick Rose is creating offense for his team, not even having to, to put the ball in the basket himself. Right off the ball screen there by Bullock at the top of the key, right into the middle of the lane. Defense collapses. Julius is open. He pops, but to no avail with the front rimmer. But just a good example of Derrick Rose being Derrick Rose. He's been fantastic offensively for the Knicks this series. So I think that's it for the, for the clips that we have tonight. Um, I just wanted to point out a few things that I liked and disliked. And hopefully for game three, we can get our asses together and, and get back on track. So um, hope you guys enjoyed this little film session. And I promise we will get better as we go along. Thanks for watching. Yeah, so I hope it was fun. <laughs> I hope it didn't go too bad for you. So uh, let's get to the MYY NYK question of the day. So last time out in episode 251, um, when we were recapping game three, I asked you guys to name three of the five all-time leaders in Knicks playoff history and assists. Name three of the top five. And in order, you could have named... Well, I told you, you, you could have done it in any order. Um, but I'm going to read them off in order here. You could have said Walt Clyde Frazier. Starks. Dick McGuire. Ewing. And Mark Jackson. He and, him and uh, Ewing were tied for fifth in uh, playoff assists all time. Franchise history. So you could have said any three of those five names. And you would have been right. Thank you for participating. If you did, well, you didn't. <laughs> you never do. But um, if you do know the answer for this next one, be sure to let me know on uh, social media. So for N, uh, for our NYY NYK question of the day for episode 252, my question to you. When the Knickerbockers debuted on November 1st, 1946... What was the name of the team they defeated? And I need you to name both the city and the team nickname. If you want a hint, I don't know how much of a hint this will be, but if you do want a hint, the nickname is no longer a nickname in today's NBA. We don't have this name anymore. They're known by a different name. That's the hint. All right, so last one last time. When the Knickerbockers debuted November 1st, 1946, what was the name of the team they defeated? And the score was like 68-66. <laughs> Different game. 
All right, so let me know the name. Again, the city and the nickname I need. I need both of those. All right. Thank you for participating. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to us. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and many more platforms. Or you can watch the podcast on YouTube. Episodes on the Knicks every two games, but obviously for this postseason, we're doing every game. And episodes on the Yankees every series. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the blog where I recap every Yankees and Knicks game. Occasionally I'll miss some. But, you know, 90% at least. Be sure to subscribe to that blog. And if you haven't followed me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, be sure to do that as well. Guys, if you want to find all that information I just mentioned, just go to my link tree. And to get there, that's linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That will take you to my link tree that displays all my information. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. One last time, I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 252 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And I'll catch you in the next one. Getting back to the Yankees for episode 253, so don't worry. We'll talk Yankees um, as rough as their stretch has been going lately, too. Uh, New York sports. Am I right? I'll see you next guy. Uh, I'll see. I'll see you next time, guys. All right.